Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. Happy Easter. Uh, I'm Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor at, at, uh, at FBH, First Baptist Hanford, and we are glad you're with us this morning uh, online, whether it's uh, live with us at 10 a.m. or at a, another time. I, I hope you're all wearing your pastels. I did my best to, uh, to wear mine today, that you have your hair neatly combed, that you're all wearing uh, your brand new polo shirts and sundresses and all of those things. But considering everything is different this year, uh, my guess is, is that if you're wearing pastel, it's on pajama pants you've been wearing for the last three days. Um, and so wherever it is, whatever it is you are wearing to join us today, we're just happy uh, that you're with us. Uh, but man, this is, this is way different for us uh, than, than normal, obviously. Way different than, than what we had imagined our kind of Easter services being. We imagined, you know, baptisms and donuts and photo booths and our largest attendance of the entire year. All the normal things that we assume will kind of happen uh, in Easter, but it's a strange season where in, instead of all of those things, I'm preaching to an empty room on a Wednesday before Easter Sunday. It's weird. It's strange. It's not normal. And honestly, to be frank, that's okay. It is okay that this isn't normal. We're in a season together that, that none of us has ever experienced before. Your kids don't have school again, at least for another four months, so <laughs> Sorry. But they're out of school for at least four more months. Some people have lost their jobs. Uh, we're feeling the kind of heavy-handedness of our freedom as Americans being taken away in order to kind of care for others and that sort of thing. Some of you haven't driven in weeks. Most of you haven't gotten a haircut uh, in, in, in a really long time. Uh, I'd encourage you, please don't cut your hair yourself. I don't know if you're the one who needs to hear this or not, but you don't need to cut your own bangs for the first time while in isolation, okay? Just don't do it. Your hairdresser or barber need to work when all of this is over, so please just, just wait for them. But it's a, it's a crazy season that we're in. And amid this crazy season, what I want you to remember is that God is in control of it all. And it reminds me of a story uh, one of my friends told me before. He was, he was driving his kids home, and they lived way out in the country. Uh, I mean, we're talking dirt roads and like way, way, way out in the country. So there's dirt roads and no, uh, no street lights or anything like that, um, and, uh, and it was dark out, and so he's driving his four kids home, and man, they're just having the hardest time in the car, just uh, calming down, relaxing, not being rambunctious, all that stuff, and so, you know, he does a typical dad thing, like, hey, you need to knock it off, guys, you need to stop, you need to stop, and then finally he said, hey, look, if you don't stop, you're going to walk the rest of the way home. Now, I've heard of a lot of dads saying this, but usually it's kind of an empty threat to get everybody to be quiet. Uh, but my friend is cut from a different cloth, and so the kids continued to be rambunctious. So he pulled his car over, parked it, let all four of his kids out of the car, and said, I'll see you at home. Uh, which, on this side of the story, is really funny. But when it's like 9 o'clock at night, really, really dark, and you're way out in the country, and you're between the ages of 7 and 12 years old, that's kind of a terrifying thing to, to have to do in the middle of the night, at 9 o'clock at night. And so they started walking home, and he didn't abandon them completely. He kind of had the, the car uh, behind him, and he was slowly following it home. And it was about a half mile or so until, uh, until they got there. And uh, 
he got, when, once they got home and emotions had kind of subsided and that sort of thing, he sat him down and he had a conversation with him about what it felt like to have his hand of protection kind of removed from every single one of them. Now, granted, he was still there. He was a little bit of a distance. He was still there. But what it felt like to have his kind of hand of protection removed from him. Now, the younger ones, obviously, fear is kind of reigning supreme in their case because what's going to come out from behind that bush over there or whatever it is. Um, And the older ones really were dealing with, like, frustration. Like, why do we have to do this? This is absolutely ridiculous. Why are we doing this, Dad? But that feeling of fear and angst was real, regardless of the fact that he was still right there with them. The dad had every single one of them kind of in his sights. And we're about to actually see the same exact thing play out on Easter, in our Easter story. And so as we conclude our series today in the Gospel of John, Uh, with our I Am He series, one of the things that Jesus continuously goes back to in the Gospels is that he has done nothing apart from God the Father. Nothing he has done has been apart from God the Father, and we are going to see that continue to play out uh, in the resurrection narrative. Now, to be fair, I don't know what season of life that that you're in right now, what season of, of life this whole pandemic has brought you. It may simply be your own frustration with having to be with your, like your immediate family every single hour of every single day for the last three weeks. Maybe that's, maybe that's the season of life and you're just frustrated in general. It could be as difficult, though, as losing a job. It could be as difficult as uh, having to quit your job in order to take care of your kids who are supposed to be in school all this time. I don't know where you are, but what I do know is that all of us feel exposed to the elements because we feel like all of a sudden that we, all, we aren't under this hand of protection. And that fear and that angst are reigning supreme in a lot of our lives. I'm assuming that Jesus and his disciples at this point in the story were feeling the same way as they were headed into Christ's crucifixion and death before he rose again on Sunday. And we're actually going to pick up in John 19, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail the king of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you. So here we have Jesus, and we have Jesus uh, before his crucifixion on Friday at the hands of a man who can sentence him to death or free him. But he's been arrested, he's been beaten, he's been flogged, he's been humiliated, he's been mocked. The people who were following him, the people who laid down palm branches for him, Sunday, the Sunday before this whole thing went down, are now yelling and screaming to crucify him. 
Um, all of his friends have run away because they were fearful in some way, uh, or in some stayed close, possibly out of frustration and sadness. And Jesus, though, he refuses to speak at first. He refuses to talk to Pilate. He's keeping his mouth closed. And the disciples were terrified at this point. The disciples were so scared that they were going to be completely and totally condemned as well for merely hanging out with Jesus. It's one of the reasons that Peter actually denies knowing Jesus three separate times because of fear in that, in that space. And we have Jesus who's seemingly just quiet and content, reserved to kind of the fate that is awaiting him at this point. And that's not to say he was excited about what was going to be going down, right? Before he got arrested, he was sweating blood because he had so much angst about the death that was waiting for him. Uh, but Jesus' response in this, in this moment was different than the disciples. And his response was different because of one thing and one thing alone. It can be heard in what he says in the first part of verse 11, which comes right after 10. It says this, Jesus answered, and he's talking to Pilate here, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And there's more to that verse that has uh, nothing to do with kind of that, that portion right there that I want to focus on. But it says, you would have no power here over me if it were not given to, you, given to you from above. Pilate, you would have no power here. And it's less about Pilate and more about you would have no power here if it weren't for God, if it weren't for the Father allowing you to have that power. If that power were not given to you, from God. He says, look, all I'm doing is what God had planned in the first place. God knows everything that is currently happening. He has allowed all of this to happen, and so I am going to be still, and I'm going to rest in that knowledge rather than do something that would be contrary to the will of God, which to us is crazy if we think about it. Like, if we were in Jesus's position, like, if you have a guy who is trying to set you free, you would be doing everything you could in your power to get set free. But instead, Jesus simply sits in it. Why? Because he knows something that's challenging for all of us, that God is in control even when you are not. Even when we're not in control, even when we, we don't know what is around the next corner, God is still in control of those things. Your first thought Maybe, so like, wait, hold on. You're telling me that God has allowed everything that is going on in the world right now? You're telling me that God has allowed me to lose my job. You're telling me God has allowed thousands of people to die at the hand of the invisible enemy that we call COVID-19. COVID and my answer to that question is yes. Why? Because of a theological concept that we call Sovereignty. Sovereignty, simply stated, is God's absolute right to do all things according to his good pleasure. But even that definition really isn't an easy one, simply because of that last, those last two words of good pleasure. It makes it seem like God is happy with death. That God is happy with businesses clo closing, with people losing their jobs and their livelihood. That God is happy with sickness and illness and disease. And you have to be stuck with your immediate family for weeks and weeks on end. God is happy with those things. But the reason the disciples freaked out and ran away and hid, the reason that the disciples were fearful was because they didn't have the ability to do a few things that Jesus did and recognize that these things come from his sovereignty. And the first one is, is they didn't trust the goodness, the disciples didn't trust the goodness of God. 
They didn't trust his goodness. One of God's attributes is that he is perfectly good. He's perfectly, not like good, like he, he, he can help an old lady across the street if you want to do that, sure. But good like perfectly good. All of the time, he is perfectly good. So when we don't find an answer to something specific in Scripture, what we need to do is rely on the things that Scripture does talk about. So while there are pandemics mentioned in the Bible, and God handles them very specific ways, there aren't modern pandemics that are represented in the Bible. There aren't government, governments forcing all of these different businesses to close down. There aren't very specific examples that we are living through right now. And so what do we need to do in order for us to understand how we can apply a story like this, uh, something regarding God's sovereignty to our lives? And what we need to do is recognize that, hey, okay, well, the Bible does talk about that the fact that God is good. He is perfectly good, meaning everything he does is for the good of those who love him. But the disciples at the time couldn't see his goodness in this scenario. Why? Because things were hard. Things were difficult. It's easy for us to say that God is good when things are on the up and up. And when your, your business is flourishing, your kids are, are, are behaving exactly the way you want them to, they're getting straight A's in school, man, you're getting promotion after promotion after promotion, like everything is going great for you. It's easy to say that God is good in those times. My guess is as the disciples were walking through this three-year ministry with Jesus, and, and man, Lazarus had been raised from the dead, and water had been turned into wine, and and they made a blind man see in all of these different instances that we saw. My guess is, is it was so easy for the disciples to say that God is good. Look at who he sent. Man, God is good. Then all of a sudden, things take a very dark turn here in about less than a week span. And in that dark turn, the disciples begin to doubt God's goodness. They begin to not trust it so much so that they run away and they hide. And they go back to the things that they're comfortable with. They go back to their status quo at the time. It's so much more difficult for us to say God is good when everything that we have known in our life suddenly falls apart. God is always sovereign and God is always good regardless of our own circumstances. The second reason the disciples ran away is this. They couldn't believe the God or the plan that God had in place. You know, to them, when, when Jesus was on earth, everything was perfect. Everything was, as they used to say, hunky-dory. They went from, the, the, the disciples went from fishermen who stunk and weren't widely respected. I mean, it was a trades job. It was fine. But they went to, to, to just kind of ambiguous people to disciples, people of note, probably saw themselves somewhat as revolutionaries, people who had found the Messiah. The disciples at this point had probably been thinking to themselves for this three-year span, man, we have really hitched our wagon to the correct horse. That, man, things, things can't get better than this. And so everything was going great, and then all of a sudden their hope, Jesus Christ, gets arrested and crucified. And they thought this was the end of their saga with Jesus. Because they didn't and they couldn't believe what God had waiting for them was way better than hanging out with Jesus on earth. They couldn't believe that. That even though Jesus had told the disciples numerous times that his time on earth was short, that he was going to come back again. 
All of those things, when, when it actually happened, they couldn't believe that Jesus dying on the cross was a better path than keeping the status quo that they were comfortable with. It's a crazy parallel, honestly, that we're, we're dealing with here. And we've been comfortable with our status quo the ent- our entire lives. It's one of the great things about being an American and having the freedoms that we do, that for the most part, our day-to-day won't get interrupted by our government, and we have the freedom to do whatever it is that we want. It's a great thing about being an American. But as our worlds have shifted, a lot of us have gone into the same mindset the disciples had around Easter time because they didn't know why the things that were happening were happening. They failed to trust and rely on God's goodness, and they couldn't see the end game that was in play. And we need to realize that God is sovereign even when things are bad, and that shouldn't lessen our faith. That should actually increase our faith because God knows what's around the next corner. He knows when things are opening back up. He knows when schools will be back in session. He knows how his church is going to flourish both during and after this pandemic is done and gone. And he knows it in the same way that when everyone else had assumed Jesus wasn't the guy they thought he was, when everybody else had assumed that that their leader was being killed, was dead and in the grave for three days, that something better was coming. God knew something better was coming, that Christ was going to conquer death, and on Resurrection Sunday, that came to fruition, which picks us up in John 20, verse 11 and following. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, you have carried him away. Tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi." which means teacher. And can you imagine the smile that God the Father had on his face when Jesus conquered death? When this whole plan for salvation for all of humanity finally came to fruition, when he came back and revealed himself to to Mary, revealed himself to the disciples, I can't imagine what it would have been like to see the despair that people had on their faces turn to joy as Jesus' followers saw him come back to bring forth the greatest news ever, which is the fact that Jesus is alive. So for all of us, this Easter, which probably hasn't gone the way that many of us have hoped, I would say that God is a whole lot bigger than our current situation. That we need to remember that God is a whole lot bigger than that situation. God is in control of everything that is happening. And while I hope that that gives you some peace, I know for some It may not. And my guess is if you fall into that category, you maybe maybe haven't found your place into the kingdom of God yet. And so with that, I just want to share a subtle reminder, not even a subtle reminder, a very very clear reminder as to why the, the apostle John wrote his gospel in the first place. It starts in verse 30 of chapter 20. 
It says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. My hope for this Easter is that we can find a peace and a reliance on God in the midst of all of the craziness that's going on right now. We recognize, no, God is completely and totally in control of this situation. And if you haven't come to that realization yet, either uh, you're, you're new in the faith, you're having serious doubts right now, or you haven't yet come into the family of God. And man, the whole reason for the book of John was to invite people into the family of God, was to share the things that Jesus had done so people could come and, and, and worship him and honor him and come into the family. My hope for this Easter, like I said, is we could find that peace, knowing that, that he is real, knowing that he is in charge of all of the situations and his plans are greater than ours. His plans are greater than the situation that we find ourselves in, either good or bad. We can't see around the next corner, but he definitely can. And so with that, I just want to give you a reminder that in the midst of all of this, that he is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're, uh, man, we're thankful that the church is not closed, that your plan A for the world, the church your plan A for spreading your gospel will never close. Regardless of government, regardless of pandemic, regardless of whatever it may be, that your church will never close because you can't close people. That your church is not a building. This is a movement, Father, that your son and 12 fishermen started thousands of years ago. Father, I don't know what you're doing in the midst of this entire pandemic that we, we see ourselves in. We don't know what you're doing in, in shutting down businesses and closing us into our houses, but Father, we are thankful that you are a sovereign God. We are thankful that you're bigger than our circumstances. And we can trust in the fact that you are indeed good. Father, I pray that you would increase our faith in that. That you would increase our faith in the fact that, in recognizing the fact that you are good. And we're thankful for that. And, and with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if, if there's those of you who have not yet placed your faith in Christ, you say, you know what? I, I want to be part of the family of God. I want that peace. I want to continue to recognize that, man, God is bigger than my circumstances, then I would just invite you to pray along with me. And say, hey, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I know that I mess up all the time. Every single day I mess up. I'm a sinner, I doubt, I do all of those things. I continually turn back to my sin. But I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your son. Jesus Christ is my savior. Good Friday, you sent your son to die on the cross, but then three days later, he was raised again, and he conquered death on our behalf so we could 
be with you forever. And so with that, we would choose to follow you, recognizing that your ways are way better than ours, that your plan is way greater than our circumstances. And I pray you would continue to put that on the forefront of our minds. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.